At this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired. We are here with Sarah Vallely, mindfulness teacher, coach, and author. Sarah has been teaching meditation and mindfulness for the past two decades, training and certifying others to teach mindfulness. Sarah is the author of four books. Her latest book is titled Tame, Soothe, Dwell, The 55 Teachings of TSD Mindfulness. On today's podcast, we discuss mindfulness in the workplace. We discuss some irrational fears that corporations have regarding implementing a mindfulness program. We also discuss techniques that someone could use to help implement mindfulness into their workday. Hey, did you know that they are teaching mindfulness at work? Do you know about this? No. Yeah, they're teaching mindfulness in hospitals, in MBA programs, in high-tech firms, in investment banks, in the military. All these different organizations are teaching mindfulness. Here are some of the positive outcomes that these organizations are gaining because they're teaching mindfulness to their employees. Better attention and concentration improved coordination, which is probably important for jobs that involve, you know, doing something physical, improved safety, increased creativity, being more adaptable and emotionally resilient, lower stress, and less sick leave. People are taking less sick leave after participating in these programs. I wanted to start out by talking about this 17-page journal article that I read that was published in a prominent journal called Journal of Business and Ethics. In this lengthy article, the authors outlined all the reasons why you shouldn't teach mindfulness in the workplace. (laughs) These are pretty fascinating. I can't wait to hear your opinion. So one is that keeping busy keeps people from experiencing depression. And so the concern is, is that depression could be triggered when mindfulness practices interrupt their busy routine. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then, I'm going to hold my opinion. <laughs> I know. It's only the first thing. I'm going to wait. Okay. Yeah. And then on top of that, employees might not feel as driven if they learn mindfulness. Basically, does this mean that corporations want to keep their employees' depression suppressed so they'll work better? Is that what's going on in America? <laughs> With things like this, I always wonder if it's based around the fact that it's going to cost money. I don't know. It could be a genuine concern. So you want people to be more busy so they're less depressed, even though the research on utilizing mindfulness to decrease depression is pretty outstanding. So it sounds like somebody doesn't know what this is all about. Yeah, this article was something else. I'll tell you what, I had some definite laughable moments. I do remember when we read the book for our group, 10% Happier which is an incredible book. It's actually one of my favorite mindfulness books because I connected so deeply with what Dan Harris was saying. But he mentioned that he actually did experience being less driven. You, you may experience somewhere along your path of, of deepening your practice, a period of reduction in, in drive because you're getting into and starting to understand acceptance and, and, and emptiness. But then if you read the book, it keeps going. It doesn't end. So there are always going to be these little bumps along the road. If you exercise and you go into an exercise routine and then, oh, your back is a bit stiff. Well, the benefits of exercise are just monumental 
versus like a little bit of back stiffness. You know what I mean? It's kind of like saying, well, we don't want our employees to exercise because they could experience some back stiffness and it may decrease acutely. So these all sound like very acute issues, not chronic issues. I read that book too. I completely agree. I remember when he was concerned about, you know, am I going to be less driven in my role on TV? But he found the sweet spot and, and was able to make that work. So yeah, good point. Okay, let's go on to the next one. They're concerned that learning mindfulness at work might make people think more deeply about the meaning of their job or think more deeply about the meaning of their own life, which might lead to anxiety. Oh, no. So they're worried about the amount of introspection that someone may have. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think John Kabat-Zinn is going into Coca-Cola and telling everybody, you're going to die so nothing really matters. All we have is the present moment. Is that happening? Should we Google? Are people like John Kabat-Zinn going into corporations and saying things like this? I don't think so. They make it sound like people are coming into corporations and teaching them Buddhism. These are real Buddhist ideas of who am I? What is the self? On a Buddhist retreat, they will say things like, we're all going to die. <laughs> So basically, don't hurry. If you're hurrying, all you're doing is hurrying up to die. On a Buddhist retreat, you could have a little bit of existential crisis, but this is not the type of mindfulness that they're teaching in corporations, as far as I know. This is one of the reasons why there is a type of mindfulness that's completely separate from Buddhism. Another concern that the authors of this article have Employees need to constantly plan for the future, especially managers. So teaching them to let go of this idea of past and future could conflict with this. So what they're referring to here is that concept of impermanence. Suffering is caused by our inability to understand that everything is in constant flux. Things are being born, they're dying. So letting go of this past and future helps us with this idea of impermanence. But bringing somebody's awareness to the fact that that everything is impermanent would somehow like negate the their ability to plan for the future? Yeah, that's the thing. I think that if anything, the practice helps you still your mind so you can make better decisions. You know, you're making a decision from a clearer place, from a less stressful place. You have more mental energy to come up with good solutions. So I, I don't see this as a problem. I have a hard time seeing the connection there to being aware of impermanence and having a difficult time uh, planning for the future. Because planning for the future seems like totally like agnostic to impermanence. You still have to plan your your job. I don't know about that one. I remember I was in a retreat once years ago and I was struggling with this concept here. I get this idea, we got to let go of the past, we got to let go of the future and stay in the present, but I got shit to plan. Like I got, <laughs> I have a life. And so I did talk to the teacher one-on-one -on -one about this. And that's when he explained to me about right action, right thought, right speech, is that the idea is, is when you practice mindfulness, you naturally start to live this life where you're living out better actions, better speech, better thoughts. Yeah. For me, I always think of what Jack Kornfield always says is you have to remember your Buddha nature and your social security number. You know, you have both and they're not exclusive. You know, you you are supposed to be a person in the world and whatever role that is. So if you're working for Coca-Cola and you're a bottling person, then you it's your duty to be the best at that that you can be and to exuberate Buddha nature. And you can do that and change people's lives and things, but that doesn't mean that you don't remember your grocery list. You have to also do that. 
I like to remind my students that it's not as important often what we're doing, but how we're doing it. Another concern that these authors have is if employees reduce their stress, they might achieve a state of emptiness, which might be, quote, ethically awkward. First of all, the Buddhist concept of emptiness refers to empty of perceptions, empty of judgments. It's not emptiness that a lot of us associate with depression. As far as this ethically awkward concept, these authors give an example of how this could be ethically awkward. If you work for an advertising agency that, quote, promotes consumption by manipulating customers to make destructive social comparisons, end quote, then teaching them mindfulness could be ethically awkward. I'll say that again. If you work for an agency that promotes consumption by manipulating customers to make destructive social comparisons, then pushing this mindfulness could be ethically awkward. What do you think of that? Well, it sounds like that you are doing something that is non-ethical. And then if people become aware of it, it will be awkward because they're trying to choose a, a path of being ethical. Yeah, that's awkward. That is awkward. Right. Let the employees not be aware of the unethical messages that they are creating for the world. Let's not let them become more ethical so they don't feel awkward at work. I mean, it's just sounds so crazy to me. Yeah, it sounds kind of like in the 60s whenever they didn't want everybody to do acid because they were going to become too hyper aware of how messed up the government was. <laughs> they're going to use cannabis and, and LSD and peyote, and then they're going to be hyper aware of how messed up everything is. Michael Pollan writes this book about how to change your mind and why that psychedelics weave new pathways into your brain, and they literally clean your slate and help you to experience things from a different perspective. And because of that, it by nature helps you to change your mind. You don't want people to do that if you want people to behave a certain way in a society. Yeah, that sounds like totally on brand for that. Don't let people think too much about it because it is unethical what we're doing. You know, I completely agree. This is very similar to that experience in the 60s. Same type of ideas of this awakening to what's going on. But at the same time, I don't think people are going to have huge awakenings from some professional development on mindfulness at work. It'd be nice, I suppose, but I think it's more just going to reduce some of their stress to some degree. These authors admit that they are Buddhist. Uh, so yeah. that's like another twist here. Yeah. You know, well, maybe they're trying to like candidly explain the situation for these corporations. If you're in a meeting and you're talking about why we need another king-size candy bar, oh, we need to put the candy bars up by the register to incentivize people to make an impulse buy at that point in time. Somebody raises their hand and is like, but do we want people buying more candy bars? Is that is that the right thing to do? I'm like, no, this is a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop meditating. Maybe it happens. Maybe I'm, I'm completely wrong on this. Like maybe these questions are coming up. Maybe these questions are coming up in corporations without even mindfulness being brought into the picture. Another concern that the authors have, this is my favorite one, employees might develop insight, empathy, and egolessness, and then they might reject the, quote, values or low ethical standards of their organization or indeed capitalism, end quote. 
that they might reject values or low ethical standards of their organization or indeed capitalism, end quote. I think I'm realizing that this paper is written ironically. <laughs> I know. I, I wondered that. Like, I they... think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah. Because like, you know, I couldn't see the corporation writing that and saying, oh, they might be aware. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think this is written ironically. I'm starting to realize I, I do believe that's what's going on here. Yeah. Because, you know, you know what I mean? I don't, I really don't, don't see somebody writing that that's from the organization, you know? No, I, I'm totally with you. I was laughing at multiple points during this 17 page journal article. And I did, I got to the point where, is this a joke? Like, did, did these Buddhists come together and write this as kind of a joke and get it published in this prominent journal? I, I, I think so. Yeah. It sounds like sarcasm. The more I hear, I'm like, yeah, that's sarcasm. Yeah, that's definitely, I think that's what's going on. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. The authors spend the rest of the article detailing detailing the process for teaching mindfulness to your employees and what to watch out for at each step. They even point out the step that the employees might I can't say they even point out the step that the employees might attain enlightenment. Like like this is going to happen like I mean you go on a Buddhist retreat and there's such a small percentage of people that are going to hit enlightenment on a Buddhist retreat. Do you really think that through a professional development in a corporate setting, you're going you're gonna to become enlightened? Yeah. If you listen to some of the old Zen stories, people uh, sweeping and then a rock hits a, a stalk of bamboo and they, they come to enlightenment. You know, they're like, someone's going to park their car one day and hit the uh, alarm button on accident on their car when they're trying to lock it. And that's going to spontaneously cause enlightenment. And then, then you'll have a revolt because everyone's going to leave at the hands of this new employee. That's like, that knows too much about the, the business. And then it's going to be a mutiny. And yeah, yeah I could see that. <laughs> I think this would be a great movie. One of the last quotes in this article is it's like their last, it's like their last warning. <clears throat> Quote, on a larger scale, if such growth occurs, referring to becoming enlightened or becoming more empathetic, if such growth occurs across the national workforce, a serious value misalignment would occur dividing organizations from the workforce. Yeah. <laughs> Here are some studies that show that mindfulness is not breaking down capitalism. It's not causing managers to stop planning. It's not causing existential crisis among the workforce. And it's not causing depression. One was published in the Journal of Management and Organizations, and their goal was to help their workers become more resilient, specifically to bounce back from negative emotional experiences, to become more adaptable to the changing demands of the stressful experiences in their job, and overall to help the workers develop better coping skills and be able to respond more appropriately in stressful situations. So I think that's admirable of the organization to want to do this for their employees. The employees went through an 18-month program. Some of the modules were half-day trainings. Some were shorter. It was, it was a settlement services company, which is titles, closing, escrows, which I think you're going to want to know when I tell you the results. That's pretty incredible. They were taught stress management, healthy eating. They were encouraged to participate in exercise programs. So it was overall wellness, but there was a big mindfulness piece. And the mindfulness piece included noticing when the mind wanders, 
bringing your attention back and starting over again when you lose your focus, breathing, focusing on breathing, body scans, loving kindness meditation, observing your thoughts. So a lot of the key elements to a mindfulness practice. The results of this study, sick leave went down by 93%. They essentially, yeah, they essentially eliminated sick leave. That's insane. So, okay, real quick, because I love the details of how they conduct it. How often were they going to classes on mindfulness or were they practicing on their own? Or or do you have those details? I'm guessing they were in some type of training minimal once a month over the 18 months, maybe in some cases twice a month. That's my guess. That's fascinating. I wonder why specifically sick leave was so affected. This is one of the reasons they believe that the sick leave was reduced so much is because mental illness has been identified as a leading cause of taking sick leave and work disability. I've never heard this before. Is this, do you think this is true? I mean, I I guess so. Yeah. I've never heard that though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really sad to hear, but it's great to hear that they have found a remedy. And the workers reported that the benefits that they thought were the most impactful from this program were they were sleeping better, they were eating better, and they were handling their emotions better. Pretty amazing. Another study published in a journal called Health and Social Work, these employees were social workers that worked in a hospital, and they participated in two full-day trainings on mindfulness. They were taught mindful sitting, mindful walking, mindful movement, body scans, and they were also encouraged to meditate at home. They gave them an assessment before the training and then six weeks after the training on various things such as secondary post-traumatic stress, perceived stress, attention and awareness, and some other things. So their secondary post-traumatic stress decreased by 17%. Having post-traumatic stress symptoms as a result of being around people who have PTSD. And 17% isn't huge, but I think that is pretty incredible considering they only participated in two days of training. Yes, I think so. Yeah. And their perceived stress decreased by 18% and their attention and awareness increased by 17%. Were they even guided or anything? Or Yeah. During the two-day training, they were guided during some meditations and taught the practice. Those are good, solid results. I mean, you know, over that period of time. Yeah. In this other study, they didn't teach them mindfulness. This is one of those studies where they assess someone's natural ability to be mindful and then compare it to other factors. They found that people who were more naturally mindful had higher satisfaction with their positions at work and they had less desire to leave their organization than those who were not naturally mindful. Mindfulness is just exploding, but really I'd say it's still a relatively small portion of the population utilize it. So having extrinsic motivation at work, someone telling you to meditate at a certain time every day, you're more likely to do it and then you're going to get better results. I really hope that more companies take this on. I wish that every place would do this obviously and they would exercise every day and have healthier lunches and it would just in general our society would be so much happier i feel like they could hire the both of us i have several clients who struggle with work stress and some of the biggest wins that i have with my clients are helping them not be so mentally drained 
Mindfulness is a great way to conserve mental energy. I tell my clients, our mental energy is finite. It's limited. We go about it as if we have an unlimited amount of mental energy, but we actually don't. And so when they start using some short mindfulness exercises to take a break from this really intense mental processing that they're doing in the middle of their workday, that's really helpful in helping them feel more energized and more clear and more able to do a good job at work and not feel stressed out. And then the other big win is if we're not mindful of our needs and what we can take on, then we'll overcommit. My clients use mindfulness to check in with themselves to notice, am I committing to too much here that's going to lead to stress and burnout? And so making those two changes has made a world of difference with my clients. The Aware Mind Podcast is a TSD Mindfulness production. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame, S as in soothe, and D as in dwell. Mind as in mindfulness.org. Check out our blog post for this episode with links to supplemental information such as worksheets you can use to put into practice the mindfulness skills shared in this episode. Also, please sign up for our newsletter and receive mindfulness tips. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at aware underscore mind underscore podcast. Thank you.